I've titled the lesson Lordships Guided by Small Rudders from James Chapter 3. Uh, the USS Gerald R. R. Ford, one of the largest, if not the largest, warship in the world at this time, is approximately 1,092 feet long and 250 feet high. It roughly costs $13.3 billion. It is a powerful nuclear aircraft carrier that can hold up to 90 aircraft and 4,600 personnel. The ship was commissioned into service on July 22, 2017. The rudder of the USS Gerald R. Ford has a significant influence on its navigation abilities. One website explains, At the heart of every naval vessel lies the rudder, an unassuming but pivotal player that wields the power to steer these behemoths of the ocean. The role it plays in ship steering and stability is akin to that of a conductor guiding an orchestra, a silent maestro that translates the captain's intentions into fluid motion. As ships traverse the vast expanse of the open seas, the rudder, with its resolute presence, holds the key to maintaining the desired course and preventing wayward deviations. Its strategic positioning at the stern, combined with its ability to pivot, facilitates the execution of precise turns and intricate maneuvers that are necessary for tactical navigation, docking, and evading obstacles. In the absence of a proficient rudder, even the mightiest vessel could find itself adrift, vulnerable to the unpredictable forces of wind and current. According to the Navy, they say, Today the Navy operates 99 reactors and 79 nuclear-powered warships, including the largest, most capable warship ever built, the USS Gerald R. Ford. And that's as of July 31st, 2023. Um, so why am I talking about this war warship? Why am I talking about rudders? Uh, the size of any rudder is significantly less than that of its ship. In fact, uh, most sources say about one one hundredth to one ten thousandth the size typically to be, depending on the size of the boat or ship. Um, if you're unsure of what a rudder is, um, I'm not seeing any pirates or any captains out here this evening. Um, so according to Merriam-Webster's first definition of a rudder in reference to a boat, Merriam says, an underwater blade that is positioned at the stern of, the, of a boat or ship and controlled by its helm, and that when turned, cause the vessel's head to turn in the same direction. Now that we know a little something about rudders, um, let's go ahead and get into our reading. In James chapter three, Verses 1 through 12, it reads there, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. Fire, And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire, fire by hell. 
For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Proverbs 18.21 sums up most of what we will be speaking of this evening. It reads there, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So we know the tongue can produce a lot of death, and we know it can produce a lot of life. So although a small member of our being, uh, tonight we're going to take a look at both good and bad usages from the Bible, and hopefully this will be a reminder to us this evening of how we are to control our tongues and speech as Christians today. Um, so bad usage of the tongue in our speech. Um, the tongue can destroy by boasting of evil. Um, like Psalm 52 verses 2 through 4 states, it reads there, Why do you boast of evil, O mighty man? The steadfast love of God endures all the day. Your tongue plots destruction like a sharp razor, you worker of deceit. You love evil more than good and lying more than speaking what is right. You love all words that devour, O deceitful tongue. Also, boasting of arrogance and speaking evil about others, as James chapter 4, verse 11 through 17 reads, says there, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. And then Proverbs twenty-five fourteen says, Like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of a gift he does not give. Um, and then backbiting and slander is another um, bad usage of our tongue. Uh, backbiting is defined as malicious talk about someone not present, and slander um, is the utterance of false charges or misrepresentations which defame and damage another's reputation. Psalm 101, a psalm of David, uh, he says in verses 3 through 5, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. They shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. Also see um, 
I'm going to go through a lot of verses tonight, so if you're taking notes, um, try to bear with me. Um, also see Exodus 23.1, Psalm 50.20, Proverbs 25.23, Proverbs 11.13, and Proverbs 20.19 um, on other passages of backbiting and slander. Deceitful speech. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8-12 through 12 reads, Finally, all of you, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And then Proverbs 4.24 says, Put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Um, and then another example, Proverbs 19.1, Better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. And then... Uh, if you're taking notes, Proverbs 20:17 and Psalm 34, 13 through 14. Chapter 34, verses 13 through 14. Um, a good slogan for us to always remember, those fans out there of chocolate, um, need a moment, grab a Twix. So I think that's a good reminder for all of us right there. Other examples of poor usage of the tongue in our speech I'm going to run through these quickly. Uh, bearing false witness, Proverbs 25:18, Proverbs 19:9, and Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. Lies. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22 says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. Also, uh, see Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 through 10. Proverbs 4.24, Revelation 21.8, Psalm 34.13. Um, foul language and curses, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4, Ephesians 4.29. Matthew chapter 12, verses 36 through 37, Colossians chapter 3, verse 8, and Romans chapter 3, verses 13 through 14. It reads there in Romans... Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouths are full of curses and bitterness. And then, in fact, Ephesians 4.29 tells us to not let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Blaming God. Uh, James chapter 1 verses 13 through 14, Proverbs chapter 19 verse 3, Romans chapter 9 verse 20. And then on the contrary to that, I think, I think of Job as a phenomenal example when it came to not blaming God. We know that the Lord allowed Satan to test Job by first taking uh, Job's property and children, and then his health by giving him sores on his entire body from head to foot. In Job chapter 1, verses 20 through 22, we read, 
Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. And we, and we read in Job chapter 2, verse 10, that in all this Job did not sin with his lips. Um, it's pretty amazing if you think about all that was taken away from him. Um, but Job didn't curse God, but later we know he complained to God, which we will later discuss. Um, swearing and blasphemy, um, James chapter 5, verse 12, Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. Denying the Lord, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 9, and then of course Peter and John chapter 18, and 1 John chapter 2, verses 22 through 23. Uh, using the Lord's name in vain, uh, we can read of that in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 12, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 11, Psalm 139, verse 20, Matthew chapter 15, verse 9. Um, and we could even talk about euphemisms here too, um, but I think that's a whole other lesson that I think would be a good study. I know I could study that more, and I think that would be a good study for all of us. Uh, speaking hypocritically, in James chapter 1, verse 26, Titus chapter 1, verse 16, and 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Um, Luke chapter 6, verse 42 as well. Um, we need to back up our words with actions. Um, and then also whispering and gossip, Proverbs chapter 26, verse 20, Proverbs chapter 16, verses 27 through 28, Proverbs 11, 13, and Proverbs chapter 18, verse 8. And then in Romans chapter 1, verses 29 through 32, it puts it, being inventors of evil. Um, and then also grumbling, James chapter 4, verse 12, James chapter 5, verse 9, and Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Hasty and many in words, or babbling, as some passages put it, more specifically, a babbling fool in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 8, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 20, and Proverbs chapter 10, verses 19 through 20. Second um, Timothy chapter 2, verses 16 through 17 reads, But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Continuing on, it says, Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. Some other bad examples uh, besides Hymenaeus and Philetus um, in the Bible of using their tongues and speech are, of course, Satan tempting Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Um, Job complaining to God, which I mentioned earlier, the Israelites murmuring, murmuring and complaining against God. Jeremiah's complaints and Peter even verbally denying Jesus three times. Um, and I know what you guys might be thinking. I just called Job phenomenal earlier, and now I'm putting him down as a bad example. Um, Job was a man, after all, 
Uh, Job's complaints and arguments were answered in Job chapter 38 through Job chapter 41 by God. Um, I would not want to be on the receiving end of that um, from God, but um, yeah, he, he, he heard it from, from the Lord for, for his complaints. Um, we know if we read further, Job repents and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before, found in verse 10 of chapter 42. The Lord rebuked uh, Job's friends as well, right before Job was given twice as much. Job chapter 42, verses 7 through 9, it reads there, After the Lord had spoken these words to Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My anger burns against you and against your two friends, for you have not spoken to me what is right, as my servant Job has. Now therefore take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up a burnt offering for yourselves. And my servant Job shall pray for you, for I will accept his prayer not to deal with you according to your folly, for you have not spoken to me what is right as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuite and Zophar the Namathite went and did what the Lord had told them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. The tongue is referred to as fire, poison, and a world of evil, amongst other things. But our speech can be used for lots of good, on the other hand. Um, and we should do so as Christians. Um, we aren't going to be all negative this evening. We're going to talk some positivity this evening. So um, have no fear. Uh, let's move into how we should use our tongues and speech to steer us in the right direction. Um, so, good usage of the tongue in our speech. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 24 says, and I'm going to read from the New King James Version here, uh, Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Pleasant words in our speech should be what we automatically go to. We are going to go through... Um, Several examples and some verses will be provided for each, kind of like we did with the bad, um, on how we as Christians should use our tongues. Uh, so, building up and encouraging our brothers and sisters in Christ. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 11 through 18, it says there, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you, and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays evil, anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. See Ephesians 4.29 also, as we went over earlier. Uh, to praise and worship God, James chapter 3, verse 9, Psalm, um, really 148, chapter 148, chapters 148, 149, and 150 are all good examples. And then Psalm chapter 71, verse 8. Um, to pray to our Lord, uh, James chapter 1 and James chapter 5, and then Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, uh, 
and then we can pray, you know, prayers of thanksgiving. We can ask our Lord anything and bring forth our petitions to Him. Um, and we forget sometimes that we can just talk to Him. Um, anything can be brought forth to our Lord. Uh, see Psalm 141, verses 1 through 3. Uh, good boasting, um, as Nate talked about recently. Um, gentleness and respect. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Titus chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. Um, and Psalm chapter 37, verse 30, it states there, The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice. To sing to the Lord. Uh, James chapter 5, verse 13. Psalm chapter 51, verse 14. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. Uh, Shout for joy. Rejoice. And even cry to God. Psalm chapter 66. Um, I wrote down, read entire chapter, but we we don't really have enough time for that probably. Um, And Psalm chapter 35, verses... 27 through 28 to defend the word of God 2nd Peter chapter 3 verse 15 Acts chapter 5 verses 3 through 4 and Luke chapter 1 verses 1 through 4 to correct and rebuke those that we love Uh, Revelation chapter 3 verse 19 2nd Timothy chapter 4 verse 2 Luke chapter 17 verses 3 through 4 teaching others about our Lord in truth and proclaiming what the Lord has done for us. Psalm chapter 71, verses 17 through 24. In Matthew uh, chapter 28, uh, verses 19 through 20, it says there, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. How are we to make disciples if we don't simply go out and talk to others? Um, I know it's not necessarily a hard thing for myself just to go out and talk to people. I, you know, I'm a blabbermouth, so um, I'm pretty good at that. But some people really struggle with that. So, um, you know, it's on us to get out there and talk to others. Um, and we're not going to make disciples of, you know, other people in our communities if we don't go out and talk to them. It's just a matter of fact. Um, we must guard our mouths. Psalm chapter 39 and Proverbs chapter 13, verse 3. Proverbs 21, verse 23 says, Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Sometimes the best thing to say is nothing at all. If you don't have anything good to say, I know um, teachers told me that, you know, growing up and my mom told me that growing up and my grandma told me that growing up. So, I mean, you know, if grandma says it, it must be true, right? (laughs) Um, Proverbs chapter 17, verses 27 through 28 says, whoever restrains his words has knowledge and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise when he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. And then I wanted to quickly give a few examples of people in the Bible that we can take examples from on how we should use our speech. Um, 
Of course, our Lord is the prime example we should look to for guidance in our speech and action. First um, Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 25 reads, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were strained like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And then Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17 through 18 we see God cannot lie. It, it is impossible. Um, and then God knows all. Psalm chapter 139, verses 1 through 18. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3. And there's several other verses as well. Um, God is perfect. Second Samuel chapter 22, verse 31. And Psalm chapter 18, verse 30. And then a few more good examples in the Bible. Um, of course, Hannah, Hannah and her son Samuel, First uh, Samuel chapter two, verses one through eleven. Um, Moses, um, and we know Moses didn't speak a whole lot. Um, he even had Aaron be his spokesperson, but he led his people. I think we can learn something from that. Um, you know, he led all these people with, you know, being a man of few words. Um, and then, let's see. What time is it? I have a question mark on my paper. It says, leave out if running out of time. So, 6.51. You know what? We're going to read it. Um, I really like Proverbs chapter 15. Um, so, thought about including pieces here and there um, I did earlier in one part but I thought about more and I was just like I'm just gonna read it all so put the question mark on there I checked the time so we can read it um, Proverbs chapter 15 a soft answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger the tongue of the wise commands knowledge commends knowledge sorry but the mouths of fools pour folly out, pour out folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. A fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. In the house of the righteous there is much treasure, but trouble befalls the income of the wicked. The lips of the wise spread knowledge. Not so the hearts of fools. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is acceptable to him. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves him who pursue, pursues righteousness. There is severe discipline for him who forsakes the way. Whoever hates reproof will die. Sheol and Abaddon lie open before the Lord. How much more the hearts of the children of man. A scoffer does not like to be reproved. He will not go to the wise. A glad heart 
makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow of heart the spirit is crushed. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouths of fool, fools feed on folly. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but the cheerful of heart has a continual feast. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. The way of the sluggard is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a level highway. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish man despises his mother. Folly is a joy to him who lacks sense, but a man of understanding walks straight ahead. Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors they succeed. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good it is. The path of life leads upward for the prudent, that he may turn away from Sheol beneath. The Lord tears down the house of the proud, but maintains the widow's boundaries. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but gracious words are pure. Whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household, but he who hates bribes, bribes will live. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and good news refreshes the bones. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom and humility comes before honor. James chapter 3, verses 6 through 9, as we read in the initial reading, um, I wanted to go back and specifically look at verse 9 again. Um, we can choose to use our tongue and speech to pr- and, and, and speak to praise God at all times, like First Thessalonians tells us to do, or we can use our tongue and speak poorly of God's children and curse others, as James chapter four verses eleven through twelve tells us not to do. Our tongues should not speak both blessing and cursing. Um, look back at our reading, verse ten. These things ought not to be so. Is what it says. In Romans chapter 14, verse 11, we read that everyone will confess to God. Um, and in Matthew, Matthew chapter 12, verses 36 through 37, we are told that on the last day, we will each give account for every careless word spoken. By our words, we will be justified, and by our words, we will be condemned. The tongue is mentioned in over 120 passages in the Bible, and... I'm sure it's well over that, um, but I think that's worth noting. Um, Our speech won't save us in the end. No matter how persuasive our words might be, if we haven't lived our lives faithfully toward the Lord and for the Lord, as Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23 states, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? 
And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So tonight, are we letting something small control our lives, such as the tongue? Um, Or are you letting the true king, Jesus Christ, guide your life? What will the Lord say to us on Judgment Day? What will the Lord say to Garrett on Judgment Day? Um, I know that's a sobering thought for me, um, but it's never too late to live your life fully for the Lord. Um, Stop letting these small things, um, such as the tongue, control your life and obey the Lord.